0: This is a show that brings to the forefront newsmakers, entertainers, and those making a difference in our lives and in our world. Each week is a new adventure with topics ranging from the most serious and cutting edge to the most lighthearted and entertaining. This is Taking Care of Business with Richard Solomon. Greetings, everyone. Richard Solomon, WCWP 88.1 FM, Taking Care of Business. We are continuing our radio shows on the COVID-19 response and tools for the community. Today, we have Todd Kushner, bankruptcy attorney, an attorney just in general, who's a really, really great person to have on the radio. And we asked him to be a guest because we really wanted to find out what are the analytical methods that you should take to see whether or not you should consider going into what they call Chapter 7. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. it's a pleasure to be here. Well, last time, last time you were on, you were awesome. So we're going to do it all from a new perspective. Last time we, we spoke, there was there was not a a, a big you know economic pandemic to in, to accompany the uh, the viral pandemic. So yeah. let's let's talk about that. What, Absolutely. What, what are you seeing globally? What are you seeing now? What are the kinds of inquiries? That you're seeing because i'll share what I, i'm getting on a small business level on my end
1: well we're getting a lot of calls from small business owners who have been shut down for three months and are going absolutely crazy some of them got their ppa ppp money some of them didn't the ones that didn't are really suffering terribly the other thing that i'm seeing is uh folks calling me telling me they lost their jobs and inquiring about bankruptcy because they're three months behind on their mortgage and they have no way of paying off their credit card debt.
0: Right. Now I'm, I'm kind of seeing the same thing. Although what I'm also seeing is lease surrenders. I've been negotiating with different landlords, especially in residential circumstances. And we're just basically handing the keys over because there's almost no hope that we'll be able to pay the rent. Um, And it's you know, it's
1: funny when you said lease surrender, I was thinking about cars, car lease surrenders, which are becoming uh, pretty large right now, uh, as per the car dealerships that I've been talking to. Um, people are just dropping off cars. But when it comes to rental apartments, I could see how that's going to go because um, for me personally, living in suburbia, I'm seeing a lot of families where the kids who lived in the city are packing up and moving back to uh, mom and pop's house in the suburbs. So I would imagine that the vacancy rate in the city is just becoming ridiculous.
0: Well, you know, I guess this is a policy question. I really don't do politics on the show ever, but it's sort of, there's an economic squeeze going on because if the government wants their property taxes and they want their estimated taxes and there's no relief as far as, you know, the commercial lenders want their mortgages paid. Absolutely. Um, and if the business is closed, because we all have clients who've been closed for three months now um, or more, you know, depending on when they the show uh, is heard on either uh, FM again or on uh, YouTube, uh, the Solomon Channel uh, You know, what do you do? What do you do when the expenses never go away? And I know there's been, at least in New York State, some various executive orders um, that maybe you can't evict people, but you can still get a judgment. But again, you know, as listening- good as it. Well, what I was listening to on the radio today... That's the problem
1: with the judgment is what good is it? Well, what's going to happen is
0: people are going to go bankrupt on those
1: judgments. Exactly. Exactly what's going to happen. And I'm already, uh, you know, getting phone calls about it because they're so behind on their rent and the landlords are not really giving them anything because the government's not really funding the landlords anyway, uh, you know, in any kind of special format or for funding. But uh, they're really hurting because you know they need to pay their mortgage just like everybody
0: else, right? And the government still wants the property taxes, you know. The, you know and they want the
1: property yeah. taxes, and they got to pay the insurance, and they got to keep the lights on, and everything else. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare all across the board. So there's you know there's nobody I could say um, I don't feel bad for them. I feel bad for everybody, and it's, it's an unusual circumstance.
0: Well, that's why we're doing this series of shows, and that's why it was so important to have you. On the air because uh, people really need knowledge, and bankruptcy to many people is a is a great mystery. And I know from the first show that we did, you helped dispel that. But uh, now people are really looking at bankruptcy when they may have never been either thinking about it or they were doing okay and it was never on their horizon. And now it's right in the front of your mirror.
1: It's you in know. front of your mirror and it's in front of your nose. And the reality is. Um, I never be- I never had the belief that it, there was a stigma to it, because it's really an opportunity to eliminate your debt, start over. So uh, that whole stigma thing uh, that I used to hear people complain about, I don't even hear them bringing it up, because the stigma is over. Everybody's in trouble across the board, across the land. And uh, the, the mystery of bankruptcy is going to become more uh, transparent as... Friends and neighbors enter into it and talk about it, and they're going to realize that it's a it's a unique opportunity. It's an old opportunity in that we've had these laws on the books since the Revolutionary War, um, and a lot of more a lot more people are going to be taking advantage of it coming into the next uh, quarter.
0: So, how did we go from debtors' prison to bankruptcy? <laughs> like, <laughs> how
1: did that, that happen? Well, we did okay. away. We did away with debtors' prison a long, long time ago, and uh, we, we really only had it in this country for a very short time. If we really had it at all, it was really something that was uh, based in England and the King's Bench. Uh, granted, we stole our bankruptcy laws from them, but we left the debtors' prison at home. I think the only time we have debtors' prison is IRS fraud.
0: Uh, well, you know, it's kind of funny. When you think about it, debtors' prison doesn't make any sense because if a guy can't pay his debts, you put him in jail. How is he going to make money in jail to pay the debt to get him out?
1: <laughs> that's the catch-22, right? So maybe that's why they it's, shifted it's the bankruptcy. It's sort, of, it's sort of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, I always say, you know, you take these white-collar criminals uh, that they put in jail, and uh, I say, make them work and give the money to somebody.
0: Yeah, actually, I, I did know a guy who was a white-collar felon and he ended up being on the speaker's circuit where he actually gave lectures to law enforcement officials on how to find, what was it, the badges of fraud? I think that was the name of his lecture, something like that, where the indicia of fraud. So, you know, cause I, I saw one of those classes. That's how I, because I, when the guy gave it, it may have been a continuing legal education class. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it would be a great movie. You know what?
0: It, yeah. Right, so, speaking of CLE, if if I could get this particular segment approved by the Nassau County Bar Association, we'll throw a code in there and we'll see if we can make this a CLE approved course. Right now, we we're just doing radio, but we'll see what we can do. All right, so you have a top ten list. Of, I got a top ten list. Okay, so is Paul Schaefer around um, and David Letterman? Yeah, yeah okay. Somebody's <laughs> got to
1: do give me a drum roll or something. All right, a lead in like you know Don Rickles. All right, so um, so give me the
0: so so you have a top ten list of what
1: these are these are things that people folks need to evaluate to determine whether or not that candidates or they should file a bankruptcy
0: okay so let's go
1: i tell people if you could say yes to if you could answer yes to three of these questions you probably need a consult if you could answer yes to five to six of these questions you need a bankruptcy attorney and if you could answer yes to all of them you're in trouble you better get moving and see a bankruptcy attorney so if uh, without further ado, here's my list of 10.
0: Well, let's go. Let's just instead give me the whole list. Let's go through one point and then okay. talk about it. All right? All right. So number 10. Number
1: one. Number one. Oh, number one. Okay. We're going to go backwards. You can't afford to make minimum payments on three or more of your credit cards. Okay. okay? Minimum payments um, are really a, a minuscule amount of money compared to what you owe. You may owe $3,000 in your minimum payments. Twenty-seven dollars. Okay, and if you can't make minimums on three payments, uh, that's a problem. And I see a lot of people who can't make minimum payments on three or more of their credit cards.
0: So the question: Should people really have three different credit cards?
1: Well, I'm not a big fan of credit cards. I think that they um, uh, they're youth corrupting. And why I say that is because if you go to any college campus in this country, there's a table where they're hawking their credit cards and these kids are loading up on debt. And by the time they get out of their four-year college, they've got, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 worth of credit card debt and a student loan and nowhere to go. And it's a problem. So I'm not a big fan of taking credit cards. I think the debit card is really the way to go. I live my life on a debit card um, and uh, I try to avoid credit cards at all. Cost because the interest rates are ridiculous. Even with good credit, you get one thirty-day late payment, and then your credit cards going. You know, you get credit card A and B. You're thirty days late on credit on credit card A, and credit card B jacks up your rate because you were late on the other credit card. It's outrageous. And so it's just a game made to really hurt people.
0: And those interest rates are what twenty four percent.
1: Well, you know what? They're twenty nine percent. They could be as high as thirty one or thirty two percent. It all depends what state. The credit card was issued in now New York State. We have a usury rule, and it's 15%, which is why there are no credit cards based out of New York. If you notice when you send your Uh check-in, you're paying Canton, Ohio, you're paying Wilmington, Delaware, uh, you're paying Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, or is it North Dakota? I'm forgetting now. South Dakota. Um, And those are where states allow much higher interest rates. So you take a bank like Citibank, that's a New York based bank, but their credit card operation is based out of the state. So I you can know. I don't. See, yeah.
0: This is why we do radio. We learn all kinds of stuff. It's fun. Right, so the one thing that I know as in my legal profession sphere is that debit cards are problematic and there's no fraud protection. So somehow you lose your card or somehow the card is compromised, you don't get the protection that you would if someone makes fake charges on your credit card, that's the one downside that I understand.
1: It is a downside. It is a downside to debit cards. but uh, Maybe
0: you know, you just limit want... the amount that's in your debit card. You know. But
1: I mean, I don't, I don't think people are, are really keeping tons and tons of money tied into their debit cards. They usually put their paycheck in, pay their bills, and then they move on. Ah. You know, and then there's $500 left over.
0: That's right. So definitely limit your typical. risk.
1: Yeah. I... Limit your risk on, de- on debit cards.
0: Number oh oh, so uh, so you don't like credit cards at all, but I mean you do need them for like renter cars and yeah. That's what's great
1: about the debit card because you can go anywhere you can go with Amex or anything else, including renting hotels, cars, whatever it is that you want to rent, and uh, buying plane tickets. It's just as good as a regular credit card, and they're becoming more and more accepted.
0: So number two,
1: number two, bill collectors are calling you or writing you on a regular basis, and you are avoiding them.
0: That's a good sign you're in uh, hot water uh, well i i a lot of people come knocking on the door in my office and uh <laughs> i i you know i i it it kind of gets summarized as um I need some help with this and there's usually like some kind of story that goes with it um uh my friend didn't have the money, so I lent him my credit and he said pay you know and then all of a sudden now I'm in it it's always There's always some kind of complexity, uh, at least with the ones that I get. Um, That's true. uh, Do you have any suggestions or tools for people about Um, about these debt collection letters, whether they come from a debt collection company or from a lawyer's office?
1: Yeah, typically lawyers don't do them anymore because there are so many new rules with the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, which is a federal law that um, the days of dunning letters from lawyers are pretty much over because there's a credit Miranda and you've got to know the rules, and if you don't know them, you don't, you don't play that game. But bill collectors uh, know those rules, and attorneys that work for bill collectors know those rules, um, and it's a great rule that people don't know, at least most people don't know, and that is if you send a letter uh, by regular mail to your bill collector and you tell them I don't want to be disturbed at my home anymore, they got to stop calling you, and that's a powerful thing because most people who come to me who are at their wits' end are at their wits' end because of all the phone calls, not necessarily the letters. It's the phone calls
0: that really keep people up at night. Uh, What I've noticed is that people have told me that they get robocalls. You know, uh, this is, you know, blank card looking for, and then a robot voice comes in, you know, Joe Smith. (laughs) hang up <laughs> you know and i always, and i always laugh because you know they tell me they get these calls all day and all night yeah. and i guess i guess the debt i get them co- the, i guess the debt collectors kind of know that it, it doesn't pay from a labor point of view to have people making calls but on the other hand i guess they need to see what they can do to shake the tree cuz i'm sure there's yeah. some percentage you know um so while we're on this particular topic does it pay for consumers to try to negotiate their credit card debt situations with the actual credit card company?
1: it's a, Debt negotiation is a great thing, and people don't realize that they can do it. They can do it on their own. Um, I will say that if you have a lawyer do it for you, um, you'll probably get a better result because the bill collector is now talking to a disinterested third party, and they're not going to pull the kind of tricks they would pull on uh an innocent person or a lay person who calls in and tries to negotiate it but uh, we've gotten settlements as low as 30 cents 28 cents on the dollar on credit cards for you know folks who are hurting it usually has to be a good supporting reason uh behind it You can't just say hey i want to settle the debt why do you want to settle the debt well i lost my job my so my spouse is sick or something um and we're able to drastically and dramatically reduce the debt amounts.
0: One, so, thing, um, one thing I want to tell yeah. the radio listeners out there, as lawyers, we all do that. But, you know, sometimes they use this to data mine, which is, well, we, we need to see tax returns. because they, And they try to get all this information as if they would in discovery uh, to show your hardship. And then they go, nah, no, not not hardship enough. <laughs> so you have to be yeah, careful. You know,
1: I got a technique that I use with the debt collectors who want information. I tell them no. I'm not giving you any information. I'm telling you right now. uh, I'm a bankruptcy attorney, and I try to encourage my client to go bankrupt, but they asked me to settle first. So if you don't want to take that money, nice talking to you.
0: Yeah, okay. All right, we have a minute left. What's uh, number three?
1: Number three, your income has lowered over time, but your expenses have increased.
0: Well, that's true of a lot of people. Yeah. Especially now. Especially
1: now. Yeah. With COVID and the loss of uh, employment, and so many small businesses being closed, it's a, it's a big reality.
0: Do you do you see retrenchment as a tool? In other words, uh, downsize. Um, you know, move into the parents' house, uh, move out of state, uh, change jobs. Is that is that? I think be- it's.
1: I think moving to parents' house is, is. I'm seeing a lot of that in the kids in my neighborhood and the people that I know who have older children. Um, they are leaving the city and coming into uh, into the suburbs. Um, you know, as far as other entrenchment, I don't see people selling their houses, at least not yet. But I do see them basically saying, "I'm not paying anything, except my mortgage and my insurance and food for my kids and my and my family."
0: Yeah, the bare essentials. All right, this is Richard Solomon with attorney Todd Kushner. Todd, what's your uh, phone number?
1: You can reach me anytime at nine one four. 600 5502. And if you can't get me there, it automatically goes to my cell phone. So I'm taking calls anytime.
0: All right. So we'll be right back. Keep it locked in. Stay tuned. Welcome back, Richard Solomon Taking Care of Business. I am with fellow attorney Todd Kushner. What's the what's the web by the way?
1: Website is Kushner is KushnerLegal.com. I had to think for a All right. second.
0: Well, here's the trick question. I spell Kushner.
1: With a C with the I'm yeah. not related to that other guy. There you go. C-U-S-H-N-E-R-L-E-G-A-L.com. Right. Kushnerlegal.com.
0: Do you Talk have a that. jingle? Like you know, those other guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. I wish I did.
0: <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs>
1: That's right. <laughs> you know, those two guys have been fighting in court for years.
0: Yes, yes, and it's a famous uh, case now. And believe it or not, Infamous we're not going to mention Navy. their name, but they make a no. lot of money. They make a lot. It's all in the. It's all publicly available. It's, it's amazing. That's right. Well, so let's go back. So now we, we're on our top ten list of, of questions to ask yourself in a self evaluation on whether or not. You should be either talking to a bankruptcy lawyer or running to a bankruptcy lawyer or should be considering it. So let's go to number four.
1: Number four, your liabilities are greater than your asset, assets and income. Oh, that sounds and like that insolvency. Includes, <laughs> and that's, that's including your mortgage. A lot of people say, well, you know, I make 50, but I only have $45,000 in credit card debt. So that's not me. Oh, yeah, that's you because you can't pay back 45 when you're making 50. So it's impossible gross, net, and everything else. After that, you gotta eat. You gotta pay uh, insurance. You gotta feed your kids and clothe your kids. It's not happening.
0: So, in your analysis, do you put in the equity of your house, or because it's illiquid? um,
1: Yeah, well, for bankruptcy purposes, we take into consideration how much equity an individual has uh, in their home. Um, And we have these things called exemptions, which really, in layman's terms, are things you get to keep. Um, People are very afraid of going into bankruptcy because they think they're going to lose everything. But in actuality, we have all these exemptions, and uh, I would say 98% of uh, bankrupt people lose nothing. Um, There's even an exemption for your home to the tune of $387,000 of equity.
0: Say that again? Wow.
1: There's a homestead exemption, yeah. so you could have $380,000 of equity in your home mm-hmm. and still not have your home affected by the bankruptcy.
0: Wow. Now, I always yeah, thought that so the a- homestead was like a Florida thing.
1: Well, Florida has a 100% homestead exemption, so you could have a house worth $3 million and you could still file a Chapter 7 bankruptcy, which even I got to say is a little absurd, but uh, New York gives you $387,000
0: in equity. Wow. Now, obviously, if you live, like, say, upstate, that's a much more generous number than if you live downstate. Yeah, we
1: have. Actually, I should have clarified that because um, what I'm talking about is the greater metropolitan area all the way to, you know, uh, beyond Poughkeepsie and all the way out to Montauk. But if you go way, way, way upstate, that number comes down. Oh, it does. Yeah. When you're in the northern, I practice in North Firm practices in the Eastern and Southern districts in New York, and sometimes the Northern district. But if you go way up in the North, um, that number comes down. Because the houses are typically valued dramatically less.
0: Right, because they just don't have the density like we do.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: All right, so number five.
1: Okay, five is a big one, and people don't like to uh, think about this one. But it's a reality, and people do it. And... Uh, if they're doing it, they usually have a problem. You're borrowing money to pay for basic necessities.
0: Let's talk about that. Mm. You must you must come across this a lot, because that means that people are really on fumes.
1: They're on fumes, and they're borrowing money to pay for their car insurance. They're borrowing money to pay for their life insurance. They're borrowing money to pay for their health insurance, and, and other things as well.
0: When people come to you with this, just this problem, is it too late?
1: Never too late. All right. It's never too late because what's really crushing these folks is the unsecured debt that they carry. And what I mean by unsecured debt, credit cards, medical bills, personal loans, and things of that nature. Um, and they could all be eliminated. Um, eliminated very easily and brought down to zero. Okay. So if you don't have that debt load, it makes paying a mortgage a whole lot easier or paying your
0: rent a whole lot easier. But let's say you're, you're just brutal, you know, and you're just on fumes, you get rid of the debt, but what about going forward? If your circumstances are such that you are on fumes and you're kind of in a deficit spending mode, How do you survive going forward? Because then you won't be able to go bankrupt again for another seven years.
1: Well, it's actually eight, but it's it's, it's a problem. And it's a problem for a lot of people because, you know, I try to um, get as many people out of debt as I can. And what happens sometimes is they got a great job. We do the bankruptcy. They lose the debt. Everything's fantastic. And a year later, somebody will call me up and say, hey, I lost my job. And I'm like, backed up. Could we do this? And the answer is no, you can't do it. But there is a solution. There's what we call a Chapter 13 bankruptcy, which allows you to pay back um, some of your, you know, your unsecured debt over 60 months.
0: Now, can you do that right after you and do And it's
1: interest-free. It? Yeah, you could do it. We call it a Chapter 20. Oh,
0: and 13? 7 and 13.
1: Seven, seven <laughs> and, 13. Um, and paying that debt interest-free for 60 months is a lot easier than what your minimum payments are going to be on your credit cards anyway It's going to be a lower number. and It's going to make it a lot easier for you and if the creditor Your your credit card company wants to get paid they have to file a timely proof of claim with the bankruptcy court They've got a limited time to do it and if they don't do it They don't get paid and that debt gets discharged. So I've, I've actually had a couple of cases where no one filed a proof of claim. And the person went into the chapter thirteen to pay back debt. Um and they ended up paying back nothing. Wow.
0: So they as they I say Don't on
1: count the, on that. I want to tell everybody, don't count on that. I had two in, in 21
0: years. So as they say on the street, they got Skavoich. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
0: a legal word, people, skavoich All right. Yeah. Speaking of legal terms, I'm gonna give a CLE code. I don't know if this is gonna be a good one or not. You have to call the NASA Academy of Law to see if uh, we get this approved. But you know, you'll send an email to academy at nasobar.org. And the CLE code is TC61620. TC61620. All right. So continuing, um do you advise or encourage financial counseling to people? Whether it's All on this topic. All, right. All the time. That, how does and, that work? And, and, and,
1: well, I, what I do is is I say to people who mismanaged their money and got into this position through mismanagement um, to sit down with somebody and help them put away as much as they can or set something up that will be beneficial to them in the future um, and do basic budgeting, just basic budgeting, because so many people never learned how to do it, don't know how to do it.
0: I I assume that maybe with the whole pandemic thing going, people now realize that you do need a reserve. Gotta Um, have a reserve. You know, I think the old rule is you need to have like six months, but who knows? I know that a lot of people...
1: Six months would be great, but in today's day and age, if you could have three or four, I think that's
0: pretty solid. Right, but you you definitely need to have a reserve because you'd be amazed because I look at all the, the, the documents of all the clients that I meet in small business, and there are people who have incredible burn rates and it's not like they're being extravagant. It's just they have high insurance costs, medical insurance, and, and utilities, you know, whether it's electricity, rent, uh, phones, and you know, it all adds up And those. It all adds just, up. It all adds
1: up. Keep but I'll tell you what I find shocking, and I try to um uh, guide my clients accordingly. Um I'll see a hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt, and when I ask them if they have life insurance and they have kids. They tell me, yeah, we have kids, but we have no life insurance, which is crazy. And life insurance is a deductible expense in your bankruptcy when we do the budget. So I encourage people to have life insurance. I think that's really, really important. And, uh, you know, they say, I can't afford it. You can't afford it because you're trying to pay back $100,000 in credit card debt. So it's an opportunity for people to really protect their families once
0: they get out of it. I think a lot of people don't get life insurance because they're afraid that they won't either... Pass the exam, or they're too old, or things like that. Do you have any? um
1: Yeah, I think people don't get it because they're superstitious and they think they're going to die the next day. <laughs> and people have <laughs> told me that when I've done their wills, I didn't. I waited so long to do my will because I get this feeling it's like bad luck, and if I do the will, I'll be dead in a
0: week. Yeah, not
1: going to happen, folks.
0: Or, or the famous. Gee, um, my coffee tastes really bitter today. <laughs> <laughs> Is this the usual stuff I drink? <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. So let's hope not. That boy, that tastes funny. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, when the paramedics come, what was the last thing you know that person said? Oh, this tastes funny. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: You know, all right. Number six.
1: Number six, and the divorce attorneys are going to like this one, any divorce attorneys out there who are listening. Uh, you are in debt due to charges incurred by a spouse or an ex-spouse. And I get that all the time. All right,
0: so let's let's talk about first spouse, because um, isn't it harder to say that, well, that's not my debt, it's my spouse's debt?
1: It's impossible to say that, because once you... Spouse A gives a card to spouse B. Spouse B is fully responsible for any debts incurred, including spouse A's debts. Got to think about that
0: one for a little bit, but it's the truth. Is Um, that also the same thing if you give your kids a credit card? Yeah. Because if they just, you know, the one thing I... Remember the old days?
1: The old days used to sign a little thing to get a credit card. And now you don't sign anything. They just send it to you on a piece of cardboard, and you take that cardboard and you rip your card off of it and you throw the cardboard in the garbage. But that's where the uh, um, the wording is that tells
0: you you're fully responsible. Now, let's talk about teaching kids about money because you kind of talked about it a little bit before, but you know because kids just sort of are so used to clicking mice and downloading and streaming, I don't it know sounds that like f- my life. What's that? Yeah. It sounds like my life. I don't know if they understand that it's really not free. It may be instant, but it's not free. In, in many ways, writing checks was sort of a little bit more... It, it enfor- I like writing checks. It enforced okay. you it, to look at your money.
1: It makes you look at it. Yes. It makes you look at it. When you write a check for everything or you use your debit card and you know they're taking money out of your checking account, right that second, you think twice before you do it. Whereas right, but- with a credit card, you go, ah, I'll make some more money next month. Don't worry about it. I want this. I have to have it. I'm going to
0: buy it. Right. And and do you notice that, because I've noticed this, I've had you know people come into my office who are very, very young, and they'll express, like, I have X dollars in credit card debt, and I'll be like, Wow. Like <laughs> like wow. Cuz like when I was your age I didn't spend that kind of money, you know. You know. Period. Exactly.
1: And you couldn't get a credit card.
0: Well, that that also helped.
1: <laughs> yeah, it helped a lot. And right. we don't we don't realize how good that was.
0: Look, there's a lot of things that were good. Busy signals, you know, no yeah. remotes, no 24-hour yeah. cell phone access and things like exactly. that. Exactly. But, exactly. But being able to buy almost anything
1: at any time. At any time. Laying in your bed at 2 o'clock in the morning.
0: Right. And it comes <laughs> at 8.30 in the morning, you know.
1: And then when you wake up, you go downstairs and you have your orange juice and your piece of toast and you go to the door and there's your package. Right. How do they do that?
0: <laughs> you know, well, because they, they, they data mine us so much that they know what we're thinking and they've yeah. told us what to buy and it's already. Um, That's right. You know, um, so so how do you teach kids, because, you know, they don't really teach, you know, check writing and check balancing well, one
1: one Yeah, I think that, you know, this is, ought to be basic education in 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 high school or college is how to manage money and what credit cards really mean and what compound interest means as it relates to a credit card. And now I know I never had that class, and I don't know if you ever had that class, and I don't know if that class exists, but I'd like to see that being taught in schools.
0: Well, you know, I did take accounting and tax classes, you know, and that, that sort of helped. And then, you know, running a business and advising other businesses, I, I could tell you that as someone who's advised lots of businesses, you know, when you look at their books and records uh, there are many times you just, you know, you, 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 start asking questions like what's this, or why do you have that? And you look at, wow, that's, do you really need to do this? Because, Uh, that's not really within your monetary structure. Um, Right. You know, one of of the classes that I did on WABC radio um, was, am I actually making money? Because a lot of times I noticed that my clients didn't really do like cost accounting dynamics in their pricing. Right. They'd be like, 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 well, what do you charge? Well, I charge what the guy down the street charges, you know, or I look up what other people charge. I'm like, yeah, but. That guy doesn't have a mortgage like you do. Or he doesn't have a well, payroll pay to like rent you pay. You know, or, or, or you know, they're they got some kind of group health deal, and you don't. Know, you know, it's mm. you know, and and then the thing is, well, I got to be competitive. And I'm like, well, maybe you not need not to be competitive in the same market. Maybe you need to do something different. But
1: like getting rid of your Mercedes Benz G Wagon and getting a Hyundai Sonata.
0: Yeah, well, but not even that. If 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 you're like in, I don't know, maybe you're in construction. You do. I don't know shed building, but and but you're not really making money because it's not good for you because other people have better costs and or volumes. Maybe you got to do garage building or just something different. You know, you don't have to necessarily compete, but you know the question of am I actually really making money is never really thought of by business owners. They're they're never really advised. Uh, I remember um, Fred Esposito, who teaches for the bar, uh, really explained how you should calculate your billable hour by figuring out how many hours you work per year, how much your expenses are, what you want to have your, don't forget your own salary, what you want to pay yourself, and then figure out a little bit of write-offs and bad debt, and then do a mathematical analysis, and then that's your billable hour because that's what you should be charging. And mm-hmm. a lot and of people- wrote, How
1: many lawyers don't do that?
0: All of them. All right. Of them, you
1: know. And how many folks don't budget?
0: All, and, a lot
1: of them. And how many folks don't analyze what their businesses are really bringing in? Um, And that's why so many small businesses fail. Because they got a a passion for something, whether it's bicycles or stereo equipment or lady shoes. And they go into business and they say, I I love this and I'm going to sell this stuff. And they don't really do those kind of calculations, which are imperative for small businesses.
0: And inventory is a killer.
1: Inventory is a killer.
0: You know, especially
1: um, think about all the businesses right now who have inventory. If you're in the clothing uh, industry, all those clothes are uh, winter and spring. It's over. Those two seasons passed. Now you've got a store filled with clothes that you can't get back and you can't sell. So what are they going to do with it? They're going to give it away. They're going to sell it on nickels, nickels on the dollar.
0: It's, it's everything. Restaurants had food.
1: Yeah. What is Peter Lugas going to do with all that steak?
0: They call up uh, the dog food companies.
1: I'm going to have to. I mean, I know they age them for 90 days, but we already had 90 days. <laughs>
0: well, well, that's why they call it a 290 steak.
1: All right. That's right.
0: <laughs> Richard Solomon, Todd Kushner. What's that phone number real fast?
1: Uh, that phone number is 914-600-5502. Uh-huh. Love to hear from you.
0: All right. We'll be right back. Keeping you. Richard Solomon, Todd Kushner, talking bankruptcy on WCWP 88.1 FM. We're going to try to see if we can get this course to be qualified for the Nassau County Bar Association, which is nassaubar.org, and their uh, email is academy at nassaubar.org. And we're going to use the CLE code of TC61620, tc six one six two zero. If they approve the course. We don't know if it's gonna be approved because we're doing this first. So that's what we're doing. So let's talk. Let's I go think we're up to
1: number seven. Seven.
0: All right, let's do seven. Go ahead.
1: Seven. You have an unpaid tax liability for three years or more. Um that's a biggie. Um that interest rate is ridiculous all across the country. And I tell people all the time, um, you need to do your tax returns and you need to pay your taxes, and it needs to be a priority, and if you're self-employed, you need to put money aside, because if you think you're gonna pay it at the end of the year, and then Christmas comes along, and everything else comes along, you're not gonna have the money, and you're gonna be in trouble. Um, The good news is uh, most tax debts, a lot of tax debts are dischargeable in a bankruptcy, but not if you didn't file your tax return, okay? or you didn't file your tax return timely, so I tell everybody. Make sure you file your tax return, even if you have to make two or three installment payments on your debt to the IRS or to New York State or New Jersey. Definitely file your tax returns and file them on time.
0: All right. So people think that taxes are not dischargeable. Let's talk about that.
1: Uh, Taxes are dischargeable if they predate your filing by three years and you filed your tax return timely. That's why I tell people it's really important to make sure you file your tax return, even if you can't afford to pay the bill in one shot.
0: Now, now taxes is a tricky issue because I, I actually have had clients who either don't file, fail to file, forget to file, all that stuff. I don't um, know how you
1: do that, but I know I hear about it all the time.
0: Uh, people forget. And they also <laughs> don't do like payroll tax. They don't do certain other guys. So they forget to do the sales tax. That's... Is there like some kind of system that people can set up for these reminders, or um, is it really because I guess people rely on their accountants and the accountants can't be everybody's calendar?
1: Yeah. Well, I will tell you that you know it's something that you have to do, um, especially if you're a ten ninety nine employee or you have a business, because if you don't pay that sales tax, um, that's not your money. That's fiduciary money that belongs to the state of New York, and you're going to be in big trouble. There's no forgiveness of that debt ever.
0: Right now, I've heard stories of establishments being actually locked up. I'm sure you've heard about that too.
1: Yeah, we had one. It was a a famous pizza place, which I'm not going to name.
0: But they made pizza, and they, what, they and took they all the pizza. dough.
1: Ah ha! <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it's in one of our boroughs. There you go. And very well known.
0: And what is The sales tax already came in and put the padlock on? Yep. Did they usually do that without warning?
1: Uh, No. You'll get 1,000 letters and you'll start getting phone calls and you'll get all kinds of threats. And then if you ignore it, they're coming. You're not going to stop those folks from locking the door if they want to lock the door.
0: Gotcha. Now, does bankruptcy undo that somehow.
1: Bankruptcy cannot undo that. Okay. Because that's not your tax that we're discharging. That's somebody else's money that you didn't pay to the government. Got it. And not going to happen. All right.
0: So now we're up to eight?
1: Eight. You're taking money from savings or retirement investments to pay for your rent or your mortgage payment. Um, If you're doing that, you're going backwards.
0: Right. But a lot of people are doing that right now, but
1: Well, I understand that people do it um, on short-term basis because there was an emergency. And I certainly qualify this pandemic as an emergency. But it's a bad sign, and it's very hard to undo once you start going down that road.
0: How do you feel about reverse mortgages?
1: Um, I think they're great if they're used properly and you're really old. (laughs) (laughs) otherwise i'm not a big fan of it and i think you need to tell your kids that you're doing it because a lot of kids anticipate they're going to have their parents house one day and with a reverse mortgage you're not
0: so let's talk about that because we only see the tv ads so let's say you do a reverse reverse mortgage so every month you get money from some finance company so what happens when the last tenant goes they take the property and do they give you anything uh, like like the remaining equity, or they just take it? They take it. So you got to gamble that you have to outlive the equity of your house. Exactly. That's a tricky proposition. Don't like it. Hate them. Don't recommend them. Got it. Oh, that, so so the, 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 the lender, so to speak, is gambling that you're going to expire sooner than the money will.
1: Well, you know, it's kind of like, it reminds me of uh, those viatical insurance policies where people have a a really big insurance policy and then they discover that they outlived everybody they were going to give the money to. So what do you do with this policy? If you call the insurance company, they're going to give you nickels and dimes for it. But if you call a hedge fund, they'll buy it off you and wait for you to die.
0: Wow. I actually had a case a long, long time ago where a client sold his mother's life insurance policy and he uh-huh. sold it. He sold it and, and and I guess the forces of the world uh, uh-huh. rallied against him because the, the woman lived to like 99 or 101 or something. And That's my luck, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, so in the end, um, he you got, know, not- got
1: hurt with that in the, in the early eighties when everything was converting to cooperative ownerships, uh, you know, apartments were converting yeah. to co-op ownership. People were buying the rights of the insiders, okay, with the hope that they would not live that long and then they take over these apartments, they wouldn't be rent stabilized and they'd be worth a fortune. Um, And I knew, I had a family member who uh, spent a small fortune on an Upper East Side uh, unit like that, and the lady lived to be 102. Wow so uh he lost a lot of
0: money <laughs> <laughs> you know which is why the cigarettes were delivered every day twice a day <laughs> exactly with butter exactly. sandwiches <laughs> yeah all right number 9
1: number 9 lawsuits and judgments are being filed against you that's a pretty good sign that you got a problem
0: in the advent of electronic filing i guess as a lawyer you can really see how bad the litigation, battlefield looks for someone who's a debtor. Um, What do you look for when you look at people's litigation? Does it have to be a certain amount? Does it have to be a volume? What do you, what do you, what's your forensic? No,
1: I mean, you know, when it comes to the bankruptcy arena, just because you've been sued or you have a judgment doesn't mean that I can't get rid of it for you. And we can get rid of it. And it's the only place you can get rid of it. That's a great opportunity if you do have judgments and you are being sued. It's a pretty good time to call a bankruptcy attorney and at least get a consult and see if it makes sense for you. Um, it's an opportunity. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing.
0: What is a judgment and how does how long does it stay on record?
1: Well, you know, a judgment is what happens at the end of a lawsuit um, when the bank wins. And the bank wins most of the time, if not all of the time. Um, And that judgment's good for 10 years, renewable for another 10 years. So it's stuck to you for the next 20 years, and it's earning 9.5% interest a year. So it started out as a
0: 30,000.
1: And a $30,000 debt could easily blossom into a $100,000 debt if you let it run its course. And they're going to get you. They're going to freeze your checking account. They're going to garnish your wages. Sooner or later, they're going to get you. Um, And the only place to get rid of it effectively is in a bankruptcy court.
0: Now, when you said the judgment's good for 10 years, and you could, I thought, is it 20 years total? 20 years total. But they have to renew it in year 10? They have to
1: renew it at the end of 10.
0: Or before the 10, right?
1: Before the 10th year, they have to to renew the judgment.
0: So how do they do that?
1: Um, I'm not 100% sure, but I think you have to make a motion um, to uh, extend the time, the life of the judgment. I've never done it, but that's my understanding of
0: it. Well, let's put it this way. If you can't collect it in 10 years, it's probably unlikely you'll collect it. You're ever
1: going to get it. Yeah. yeah most yeah. people don't Most people don't uh, renew them unless they use sums of money.
0: Well, the one thing I can tell you is I've said very often on different radio programs in which I'm a guest, the older the debt, the worse it is for the creditor. From a statute of limitations point of view, from a psychological point of view, from a momentum point of view. Just if, if somebody owes you money, let's say they owe you money for five years, you wait till the six year statute of limitations is just about up, you sue them, and then maybe you win and you get a judgment, even if it's by default, and then let's say the judgment's only ten years. I, I you know, uh that's sixteen years. And if you don't get paid in those sixteen years, what what's gonna be that you're gonna get paid in twenty six?
1: I don't think you're gonna get paid, so that's why a lot of these companies sell off these debt, sell off this debt, these types of debts. To uh, companies, factoring companies that buy it, and then they use unscrupulous methods to scare the hell out of people into paying it.
0: One thing they I really don't have to pay it. One thing I have noticed, at least before there's been some reforms on this, some companies would send you bills for debts that were past the statute of limitations.
1: Absolutely, you don't have to pay those debts.
0: Well, not only that, um, but, if you but make... they
1: send you a really scary letter, or they make a really scary phone call. And they do scare people into making, you know, a 15 cents on the dollar payment.
0: Right. And if you pay a debt that's expired, you've revived it. That's exactly true. Correct. And that's a huge problem because you're taking something that's dead and like Frankenstein, you brought it back to life.
1: Right. And possibly goes on your
0: credit report. Right. So I always tell people, how, I always ask, how old is this debt? They, go, oh, well, God, I think I, the last time I dealt with these people was like 15 years ago. And I'm like, well, then. You then, don't owe them in the Then money. we're done. Then we're done. Yeah, you're done. You know, but a lot of people don't know that, and yeah, like you said, so you know, some people feel very uh, pressured, stressed, yeah. guilty, they're frightened. Yeah, to do whatever, so they they kind of capitulate,
1: and they um, think they get a great deal because they're paying fifteen or twenty cents on the dollar,
0: right? But it's really they're paying fifteen or twenty percent on zero.
1: On zero. Yeah. All right, number ten. Number 10, you have depleted or you have no reserve money on hand.
0: Okay, yeah, that's (laughs) that probably is probably the most grimace, uh, the grimacing uh, advent. Yeah. So
1: The slightest emergency will just knock you right out
0: of the box. So let's talk about that. You know, a lot of people do live check to check. Um, Mm -hmm. it, It is very expensive to live. The costs of everything are incredibly high. Health insurance is through the roof. Um, when you take all the things that you need just for basic survival—food, insurance, transportation—it it adds up.
1: It adds up, which is why you got a budget. Because you need to know how much money's left over after all those expenses. And if you really know what that number is, you think twice before you do certain things, um, especially going out gambling. Oh yeah, which yeah. You, a lot of people do.
0: Actually, speaking of which, we have uh, two shows on Gamblers Anonymous, one we did a number of years ago that's got about 13,000 views on YouTube alone. that's great. And then we did one recently because we knew that in the COVID epidemic, people are home, in isolation, financially stressed, and that... And
1: it's fun to play poker online.
0: You know, well, you know, and it's... But it's not fun to to see bad results, and
1: no, and it's always yeah. a bad result.
0: So we had some experts come in and talk about that, and there are one eight hundred gambler, and if there's people out there, you know, we want them to get help. Absolutely, we, we provided that out there. Do you That's see gambling thing. as an issue leading to bankruptcy? All the time, I do too. All um, the
1: time, I, I and they try. You know, a lot of people try to hide it. But you know, I get down to the root, mean square of how somebody got some to this place, and a lot of times gambling's behind it, and it's not necessarily the debtor; it's sometimes the debtor's spouse.
0: I had a case a long time ago, long time. Ago. It must have been more than 25 years ago, and somebody went to, I guess, the the hospital for surgery, and they said, "Your insurance card, it's doesn't work." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And they're like, You're, you haven't paid your insurance in three months. They they canceled you. What do you mean they canceled me? We're not doing the operation. What, what do you mean? And it turned out that the bookkeeper had a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend who was a problem gambler. And to bail out the gambler, the, the worker uh, diverted checks and funds. Oh, my
1: God. I hear that story su- all the time. To
0: support the gambling death because the, the gambler was being threatened with physical harm.
1: Yeah, I hear that all the time. All the time. Matter of fact, we're trying to help a, uh, a construction company get out of that kind of mess right now. We had an employee who was embezzling money from the company. Lots of money. And that's another example of why you need to look at your books, Um, not just do your budget if you're a family, but really stay on top of your books if you're a business. You can't uh, delegate that duty.
0: No, and, um, you know, one of the things I remember learning in, maybe it was one of the tax accounting classes I took, is that, or at least maybe that guy who does the, the fraud seminar, if somebody is a workaholic, They work all the time in the accounting office. They never leave. They never take a vacation. That's actually a sign that there may be a problem because they have to be there all the time to keep sort of the the scheme going. Yeah. Which is why in some lines of businesses, they force you to take two consecutive weeks off twice a year. And they're like, look, you don't need to go on vacation. You don't need to go to Fiji. You don't need to go to Florida. You just can't come in the office. Because right? mm-hmm. they want to see the mail they want to see you know invoices and they want to see what's going on while you're not there because you know they they need to do their own look back um, mm. so so I've I, I know people who are like, oh where are you going this week? Nowhere, I just can't go to the office because <laughs> that's part yeah, of that yeah, like, I think
1: it's a great thing you know I think it's a great thing because you know it's good for the business and, it, and it's good for the person to renew themselves
0: yes. So I guess as a warning to the small business owners out there, um, you know, embezzlement is sort of your problem. If if your employee is embezzling, my experience has been that they never really ever pay it back. And usually the sums are quite large over time.
1: Yeah, they can't pay it back, you which know. is why I have my trust book under
0: lock and key in a safe. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. But yeah, you know, you really have to, in general, have your access to all your books and records very restricted to only people who are really in the need to know. And, really mm-hmm. and need you got to and you
1: gotta look at your books. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you can't rely on a bookkeeper to do the whole thing and give you a report at the end of the week. You got to look at your books. You got to look at your checking account. You got to watch the flow of money.
0: All right. Well, speaking of the flow of time. We're out of it. See, I didn't budget budget the time (laughs) right. But we got the top 10 list in, so that's all good. We got the top
1: 10 list in, and that's good. David Letterman would be proud of us.
0: All right. So Paul Schaefer, play the music. We're going to thank Todd. We'll thank our other guests.
1: (laughs) I just want to say one thing. Actually, I want to say a couple of things, and I'll make it real quick. Stay safe, wear your mask, and call 914-600-5502 if you have a financial concern.
0: There you go. For all of us out there, stay safe. If you need to get in touch with us, call us, send us an email. We'll throw it to the appropriate people. We'll we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.